Let's chat with Vaughn Palmer of the Vancouver Sun, get a sense of how this election campaign is going. Good morning, Vaughn. Hey, good morning, Simi. Now, I get the sense that all three parties here are still kind of trying to find their footing. Yeah, I think that's true. And, gee, we know from history that the way the election looks on opening day isn't necessarily the way it looks yes. on closing day. So, in fact, the last two provincial elections have unfolded in ways that nobody really expected at the beginning. So wouldn't be surprised if the same thing happens here. Um, I was struck listening to Premier John Horgan in his event yesterday. He's still trying to explain himself and defend the decision. Uh, he insists that British Columbia was unstable, if not uh, in the midst of total chaos. Um, struck, too, by the way the Greens responded to that yesterday. So Sonia Furstenau released her letter to John Horgan uh, She got picked leader of the Greens, and she immediately fired off a letter to the Premier saying, look, uh, you know, I've been hearing this grumbling from your side about instability and all that, so um, I'm I'm telling you that the Greens will continue to support your government on the same terms as we signed three years ago, and here's some of the issues we support you on. Uh, First of all, released that correspondence yesterday. It kind of undermines the Premier's claim that he couldn't rely on the Greens anymore. Yeah, it does. And I was thinking, too, what does that mean for what's in store for us next year? If there were big, bigger, you know, other plans that they had going on that they figured it was going to get rocky. Yeah, you know, um, I mean, at the moment, we haven't seen, uh, Horgan said there's going to be an NDP platform, and Wilkinson said there's going to be a liberal platform, and presume there'll be a green one. So at some point, we will know what we'll get if we actually vote for these parties. But at the moment, it's kind of a write us a blank check election. I mean, we've already had that to some degree in the financial numbers we've seen. You know, the government's projecting a $13 billion deficit. And we know that's going to have to be paid for someday, somehow. So I think, you know, the question hanging over this campaign is going to be, how are we going to pay for all this stuff at some point? It's a problem at the federal level, too. And, you know, the way you usually end up paying for government debt and deficits is economic growth, which would be nice and pray that it happens, and taxes, which, you know, exactly. uh, I mean, we're going we're gonna to have tax increases, and it's just going to be a big argument about which taxes we increase. And I don't know if any of the parties are going to tell us which tax it, taxes they're targeting. I can't imagine they'll say very much about that if they can avoid it. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking about, too, here. Now, speaking of the Greens, we spoke to Sonia Firstenau yesterday, and she was saying that they do plan on running in every riding, although they have a long way to go to nominate all those people. Yeah, they do. But, you know, the Greens have got more money and resources going in, probably, than they have had in any previous election, because um, the Greens and the New Democrats got together and voted public funding for political parties. So... Um, they get a pretty big check based on their vote in the last election, and that provides them at least with the seed money to run a campaign. Um, so I, I think they'll probably hit their target from last election. Uh, the Greens have been a bit revitalized, too, I have to say, Simeon. I'm just looking at the feedback on the initial coverage of what a lot of news organizations reported the issue of unnecessary early election and John Horgan scrambling to justify himself. 
seeing a lot of response from green supporters saying yes. this is outrageous uh, they've treated our party very badly they double crossed us and i wonder if you know in the in 2017 the greens did well i think of liberals who'd had enough of the liberals and particularly backlash over christy clark i wonder if that isn't going to play out this time uh-huh. as greens angry at the NDP for repudiating the power-sharing agreement and for attacking Firstenau. I think she may have, uh, you know, a bit of revitalizing there on that issue. But, you know, again, it's very early in the campaign. We don't know how this is going to unfold. But you're right when you say that in terms of scoring points against the NDP for calling this election, I would say Sonia Firstenau has done a better job of it than Andrew Wilkinson. Yeah, first of all, had a very good day one, and she really went after John Horgan in personal terms. Uh, Wilkinson, um, you're still going there. You know, I think the Liberals, well, the Liberals have been in denial for <laughs> about all kinds of things, <laughs> including why they lost their majority in the last yes. election. But uh, he doesn't strike me as having been well prepared, although, you know, his first call is interesting. He wants the NDP to agree to three leadership debates. Well, that suits his purposes. It raises his profile. It puts First and all, on the platform, too, and maybe positions her to take some attention away from Horgan. There might be a gang up between the two opposition leaders on the premier. Uh, the other reason, though, to keep in mind here is... Um, Andrew Wilkinson and John Horgan have already participated in a debate two years ago on proportional representation. And the consensus at the time was that Wilkinson went in with low expectations, but he won the debate. He stayed focused on what was wrong with the government's referendum on proportional representation. Horgan was all over the map, and the consensus was that that Wilkinson won the debate. So, you know, the Liberals... uh, as I said, it's obvious why they want debates, and it's partly to raise their leader's profile. But the other side of that is the New Democrats shouldn't underestimate Andrew Wilkinson. He's low expectations can really play off yes. for a party leader in the middle of an election. That is so true. Um, we should also hear mention what we heard from Elections BC yesterday. Yeah, that was pretty important briefing, yeah. actually, and one number really jumped out. So Elections BC gave us a briefing on, you know, how the campaign's going to unfold and all that. And one of the things they talked about was mail-in balloting. So we've had, you can, you can request a ballot by mail, and you can do it right now. And they disclosed that in the first 24 hours, Elections BC received 20,000 requests from British Columbians, please mail us a ballot. Now, the parties are telling their supporters to do this, so it's not entirely a surprise. But that's three times as many requests as Elections BC received during the entire campaign in 2017. Elections BC says um, they expect as many as 800,000 ballots by mail in the election. Um, They also told us that their resources in the past are such that they could process 200,000 ballots in two weeks. They're talking about getting four times as many. So they warned us, um, we may, if it's a close election, we may not have results for more than two weeks. It could be three weeks. 
It takes time to process all those ballots by mail, no matter how much staff you have. This is interesting. They have to do it that way because they have to make sure that the, the person is actually on the voters list. They also have to make sure that people didn't vote twice. Oh, so it boy. takes a minimum of two weeks. And Anton Bogman, the uh, chief electoral officer, Simi, told us yesterday, yeah, it could take three weeks. He really doesn't have any idea oh, until he sees the number of ballots. All right. So much to look forward to, Vaughn. Thank you. Bye-bye, Simi. That's our Vaughn Palmer from the Vancouver Sun there, bringing us up to date with the election campaign.